0: I am grateful that I grew up with a dad. We didn't always have the greatest of relationships. I thought he was cheap and he thought I was a spendthrift. 35 years ago, if I needed a pair of jeans, he'd give me eight bucks and tell me to go to the Kmart. Remember those jeans, they were cut like a giant square. They were really dark blue, almost black. They were stiff as a board. And when you put them on, you looked and felt like Gumby, a blue version anyway. I also thought he was crazy about turning off lights and other electrical appliances. It's always going around turning off lights. Now that I'm a pastor, I do it all the time, especially in the rectory, I drive these guys nuts. Right, I go, Turn no one's in this room. Why are all these lights on? And they go, we know the story. Some lady gave us her social security check and we just wasted it by leaving the light on. I go, oh. okay, I give it too often. And though I may have allowed myself to get frustrated with my dad, and he definitely got frustrated with me, he was there, present. He built our house. He kept us in food and clothing and protected us. And although he was not the kind of guy to say, I love you or I'm proud of you, he found his own unique way of doing it especially in an age when a father seems optional and men are regarded as a throwaway commodity. And even the concept of the categories of male and female seem to be blurring. It remains true nonetheless, that the presence of a father in the life of a child is critically vital for the child's understanding of God, of the father. Pope Benedict Pope Emeritus, Uh, Benedict XIV once wrote that human fatherhood gives us an understanding of what God the Father is. And when the fatherhood doesn't exist or it only exists as a biological phenomenon, without all the human and spiritual dimensions, all statements about God become empty. He said, the crisis of fatherhood we are living today is an element, perhaps the most important, threatening man in his humanity. I have told you the story before about a college friend of mine who had a terrible relationship with her dad. It was so bad that when we would pray together, she couldn't pray the Our Father. She'd have to give him another name like Our Mother. She just couldn't do it. And the odd part about that is, is that's the formal name of God it's the first person of the blessed trinity they'd be like calling me Giorgio it's not my name however there is an element of that formal name that is descriptive and clever not that he's a guy with a beard right but his, it's about his relationship with us. You know, when a child is born into the world, it knows its mother somewhat already. It's just spent nine months in her womb, right? And comes out, knows something about mom. But then all of a sudden, there's this hairy beast that wants to hold you and feed you and talk, baby talk to you. Now, who is this? You know, it's dad. You have to get to know dad, right? In the same way, we have to get to know the father. We may have an innate idea about who God is, but we get to know him to get to know the Father and to heal that relationship is what our faith is all about. That's what Jesus's mission was. In Genesis, we learned in the beginning, remember the world was a formless wasteland. It was just chaos, stuff everywhere. Then Father spoke that the Father, the first person of the blessed Trinity spoke the Word, the second person of the blessed Trinity. And in the power of the Spirit, the Word brought order separating the lights, the night from day, separating uh, the waters above from the waters below, separating the land from the oceans, right? Bringing order through the word, not unlike right now in this homily, words bringing order to all this information we have from scripture and whatnot. So then God creates Adam and Eve, and the world is in order and balance until sin enters in the world and starts causing division, not the least of which is the division between mankind and the Father. Jesus's entire mission was to restore this relationship between us and our Father. How did he do that? The word which brought order and unity and understanding becomes flesh. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. In this way, Jesus becomes the model for us to be reunited to the Father. And think about what we're going to be doing here at the Mass today. You will notice that almost, almost every prayer is not directed to the congregation, nor is the majority of it directed to Jesus but directed to the Father through Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. That is because the mass is about being reunited with the Father, healing that relationship. That was Jesus's mission. Notice that most of the prayers are going to begin with Father or end with, we ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit. One God forever and ever, except for next week. You're gonna be listening for this next week, and next week is the one time that doesn't happen. Next week is Corpus Christi. So every week, but next week, all right. But the whole Mass is a prayer to the Father through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit to heal that relationship. And when we enter the liturgy of the Eucharist, you'll hear prayers directed to the Father. Even the prayer, take this all of you and eat of it, that's not not being addressed to the congregation, it's not being addressed to Jesus, it's being addressed to the Father. We're explaining to him why we have the audacity to do this prayer. We're saying, Jesus told us to do this, here's what he did, and then he said, do this in memory of me. That's why we're doing what we are doing. And the mass doesn't end there. I mean, that's pretty awesome in and of itself. Jesus is present, God is present, body and blood, soul and divinity on our altar. It seems like we could stop there and just the door, which we do on Tuesdays, right? We put the Eucharist in the blessed in the uh, monstrance and you're invited to come by and spend time with Jesus. And that's very important and great, but there's more to the mass, it goes on. There's a crazy scripture, passage in scripture that goes like this. Uh, many people are tempted by bypass it because it just sounds so odd, but it's really quite clever. John 17, bear with me for just a moment. I pray for those that all of them may be one, Father. This is Jesus praying. Just as you are in me and I'm in you, so they may also be in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one. As we are one, I and them, you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity, mathematics, right? Jesus wants us to be one, Jesus and the Father are one, Jesus and us are one, therefore we are one with the Father. See how this is played out in the mass. Jesus is, off, after we move on with the Mass, Jesus is lifted up to the Father once again, as he was 2000 years ago. And we say, through him, through who? Jesus, through Jesus, with him, in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours, Almighty Father, forever and ever. And so there's Jesus and the Father, the Word and the Father are one. And then we pray, our Father, Abba, Father, our Father also, and then the most miraculous thing happens. We consume, bring into ourselves this Jesus, the Word made flesh, and he becomes with us in a one with us also in a very physical way. He who is one with the Father becomes one with us. So in whom we are made one, we become one with the Father, bam. And so we are one with Jesus intellectually through the scriptures and the homily and spiritually through our prayers, socially, through the forgiveness of our sins and being one, you know, we had the penitential rite, and physically, the reception of his body within us, so intimate. You know, that's why the uh, image throughout scripture of how Jesus uh, relates to his church is bridegroom and bride. And this is why we're not satisfied on Sundays with a prayer and worship service. While nice at other times, it's not enough. There's so much more available to us, so much more that we should demand and want, a much deeper connection with the Father, with our Father, with the Father. And that's what mass is all about. And that's also the ominous role of dads, to reflect this enough particularly through your presence, that we can even begin to know what it is we are to yearn for. Thank you dads for all that you do because the faith and church and our culture is vitally dependent on you being who you are meant to be. And that's why we fall back into chaos without you. And so I'd like to invite you to pray with me for all of our fathers, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. God, our Father, in your wisdom and love, you made all things. Bless our fathers, those who are living and with us here today, those who are not present, those who have died, and those who love us as a father. Let the example of their faith and love shine forth and grant that we, their sons and daughters, may honor them always with a spirit of profound respect. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the Father, in the Son, in the Holy Spirit. Amen.